Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. We are working our way when I'm speaking on these Tuesday mornings through the uh, letter to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians, and we're up to chapter 5, if you've got a Bible. Um, have a look at that. I've entitled this, The New You. Um, could be called Vision for the Invisible Part 2 because it's really a, a continuance of what I was talking about last week or last time I did this. Um, you know, the, of course, the chapters weren't um, numbers, weren't put in there by the Holy Spirit. This is just to help us find bits of the Bible. And uh, Paul is on a roll as he gets excited about heaven. We had an amazing day in this room yesterday and lots of people logging on down uh, online from the message family as we had our monthly prayer day. We're looking forward to a time when we can all gather hundreds of us in this room, but there was a sprinkling of us here and loads more people uh, logging on as we heard these fantastic stories. I was so touched when uh, Sam shared about the groceries that 12 months ago at our prayer day, we had one grocery and one member of staff and we were excited that we were moving towards a 1,000 members for that one grocery here in Charleston. Well, now we have 11 groceries, 44 staff, 11,500 members. More importantly, we've seen hundreds of people come to Christ. And the church all over the UK is stepping up to bless the poor, to feed the poor, but also feed them with the bread of life. And uh, we have a vision to, to triple the size of that network. We've done 3.6 million meals to families in need in 2021. And this year, we want to do 10 million meals. But we want to see, we don't just want to see like three times as many people fed physically. We want to see three times as many people at least fed spiritually. A move of God uh, amongst the poor, especially at this time, as Sam pointed out, you know, is the so many people are going to move into fuel poverty as benefits are being cut and taxes are going up. What a time that God knew all that and he positioned us for such a time as this. So there's an amazing report about the grocery. Typically, <clears throat> there was an incredible report about advance and what God's doing. Ben Jack this morning and Luis Cardoso on a, a plane to India <clears throat> to light the fires in that continent where we've done several translations into Indian languages uh, just to fuel the gift of the evangelist out there, in, often in very hostile environments. Amazing report. We heard a bit about Festival Manchester, biggest mission we've ever attempted, possibly the biggest ever in Manchester. How exciting that we can say that at the start of 2022, don't you think? But in the middle of it, we had a young woman called Caitlin just sharing the story of trying to win one person for Jesus. And it was actually just as exciting to hear about one person being prayed for and one person who wasn't going to give up until this one person came to know Jesus. Because that's the way we changed the world. Yes, with big visions, but one person at a time. And what a beautiful day it was. I was so grateful that I could be part of it and went out with the leadership team last night and we were just buzzing. And I hope anybody who was involved was. It was such a precious time. Um, anyway, I need to know jump from that into the Bible via some strange little analogy that came to my mind. Because, uh, you know, some things in life you love or hate. And some people 
love or hate the same thing, don't they? Often have you heard it said, you know, it's a bit Marmite. Anybody love Marmite in the room? Anybody hate Marmite? We are talking 50-50, I would say, on that one. Another thing that's a little bit like Marmite, I think, is Primark. The evil establishment called Primark. Those people who go in and buy massive big bags of two-pound T-shirts and five-pound shoes that they're only going to wear once and then they're going to stay in the cupboard. How many people love Primark? Yes, there's one person, and he's a pastor. <laughs> How many people hate Primark? A little bit overwhelming at the message, trust. That one, that wasn't really my Marmite, it's just evil. Another thing that's a little bit Marmite is Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia is literally the worst film ever made in the history of cinema. My friend Anthony Delaney said, you've got to see that. It's our family's favourite film. Yeah, we've watched it loads of times. So I watched this film and it's just bad. It is people who can't sing with no story. Mamma Mia, who loves Mamma Mia? Who is right and hates Mamma Mia with every fibre there being? There you go, there's a Marmite film, 50-50 down the middle. Another thing that's a little bit Marmite is sushi. I think sushi is a beautiful thing. It is a fantastic food. It is so skillfully designed and so tasty. How many people love sushi? How many people hate sushi? There you go. 50-50 down the middle. Finally, another thing that is a little bit like Marmite is camping. My wife pretends that camping is a good idea. And we even have, you've got this romantic idea about camping in the sunset and it's all beautiful and then you go, you have one night camping. She's up in our loft is a trail of tents Michelle's bought over the last 28 years of marriage that we've used once. Because you go and it's miserable and it's damp and you have to go for a wee half a mile in the middle of the night and it's just, it's just a rank experience. You're like, give me a hotel. Who thinks camping's great? Who hates camping? Oh, it's not really Marmite, to be honest. load of weird Christians who think it's a good idea to go camping. Well, it struck me. The reason I say all that is just to get a little bit of crowd participation and get you thinking that actually, perhaps the most Marmite thing in the world, you either love it or you hate it, is the Christian faith. Literally, you know, Jesus is either Lord of all, to be worshipped with every fibre of our being or he's a fraud and a liar and he's Lord of nothing. Christianity is either the answer to all the big questions of life or eternity or it's the biggest fraud in history. It should either affect everything or affect nothing. Because that's what Jesus said, wasn't it? What did he say to his church in Revelation 3.16? He said, you're meant to be hot or cold. The one thing you're not allowed to be with the Christian faith is lukewarm. It's meant to be Marmite. We are either all in, fully passionate for this thing, or sack it. And we should decide this morning, what are we going to be? Are we going to be hot? Or are we going to know? Because what you can't be is lukewarm and Paul, who knew a thing or two about camping himself, warmed to this theme in 2 Corinthians 5, you know, he was a tent maker. 
I'm guessing he'd slept in some horrible, damp, disgusting tents as he, as he served on his mission across Israel. Well, here's what he says. 2 Corinthians 5. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we're clothed, we'll not be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan and we're burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what's mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who's given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what's to come. Therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please the Lord whether with him at home, in the body, or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what's due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So Paul is actually warming to his theme that we started with last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Remember, he brought a different metaphor. He didn't talk about camping uh, or uh, clothing. He talked about jars of clay. Like we're just like jars of clay and all around Israel there would have been these jars, these simple pots and some people thought, you know, it was a good idea that they didn't share a jar with any unclean people so they would just be smashed all over the floor. We're just like little jars of clay, disposable. But inside is something of eternal worth, Paul said. Paul's longing for the Corinthian church to have a vision for the invisible, to have a, a vision for eternity, to live what it really counts. He'd seen all sorts of stupid immorality in the church. You know, people who just wouldn't live in line with the Word of God, wouldn't live with what the teaching of the Bible thought they could make up their own rules in terms of, you know, all sorts of crazy sexual practice and, and infighting and all this nutty stuff going on in the Corinthian church. He's like, how do I wake these people up to who they're meant to be in Christ to live hot, not flip-flapping between two different people, being on fire for Christ? How do I do it? Well, maybe the way to do it is to give them a vision for the invisible. Maybe the way to do it is to help them realise that they're going to live forever and only what's done for Jesus will last Last week, we had, a bit, we had our UK leadership team meeting uh, last Tuesday after prayers and, and it went okay until the end. And we had this extended conversation about one or two people at the message who were doing things that, you know, we don't agree with and we don't believe are biblical, lifestyle stuff, things going on in the camp. And there was like this long discussion. Do we need to write down as the message, you know, here are our values. Here's what we believe the Bible teaches about lifestyle and all this stuff, you know. Do we need to write them down more explicitly in our handbook or whatever? And I came away from the meeting thinking, oh, I don't even want to be having that discussion. And I was like, oh, no, you know, and it's so easy in a ministry like The Message to, to kind of accentuate the negative and eliminate so many positives. And anyway, I came out of that meeting feeling a little bit, uh, and I came into this room straight away and had this absolutely epic prayer time. 
were the most passionate bunch of Jesus followers you could imagine. And Joy was actually singing Jesus over us. And we were singing Jesus and we were captivated by Jesus and we were praying to Jesus. And I'm like, no, people are up for it. People are passionate for Jesus. It's a tiny, tiny bunch of people who want to live their own way. But, you know, people are up for it. And I walked out of this room and went straight to my office. And I was having a meeting with a ministry called Oriel Ministries who'd come to visit us. And in the morning, they'd been shown round by different people, you know, exposed to different bits of the message. And I went into my office and said, oh, hi, I'm Andy. And the trustee lady who was there started crying. I'm like, oh, this isn't going very well. She said, she said I've just got to say to you that everybody I've met this morning is so like Jesus. Every single person he said, you must be so proud of your team. Every single person just oozed Jesus. And actually, is there any better words for a leader to hear? Anything better than that? That when people meet the, you know, the people at the message, they just ooze Jesus. Don't you want to ooze Jesus? Of course we do. Why would we want anything else? Why do we want to choose our own lifestyle when Jesus is Lord and He's Lord of all and he's the only one who can make sense and his word is our guide and our lamp for our feet. What are we doing living any other way? And Paul knew that without a true vision for the invisible, a true vision of eternity and heaven, we're never going to live that fully all out way. But a vision for eternity can give us that massive help and strength to keep going when others would give up. We so need it. Paul's like, why invest time and money and effort in a stupid temporary tent that will be blown away soon when you have a heavenly mansion prepared for you that will last forever? I'll tell you another thing that's probably Marmite is Grand Designs. Who likes Grand Designs? What a great program that is. I love that program. Especially when they go massively over budget, <laughs> which happens every single time, doesn't it? But, uh, you know, it's so predictable. But honestly, I have a grand design, not down here. Not designed by Kevin McKenna or whatever. It's got designed by Jesus. And you know what he says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9? No eye has seen, no ear has heard what the Lord has prepared for me and for you. You know, we see anybody like the Green Planet. That's not a, that's not a Marmite program. That is just an ace program. We're not even having a vote on that. You know, that is like, um, just look at the world. Look at all God's designed. Look at the creator God who's designed, you know, his beautiful creation in, with this unbelievable imagination. The best of his imagination was saved for me and you if we love Jesus and we're all out for Jesus. And I'm now the wrong side of 60. And I remember, you know, when mainly it was my mate's weddings I was going to. And then I remember when mainly it was christenings and dedications of babies. Now mainly, his funerals, flipping heck, I'm going to my friend's funerals. This life is going by so fast. And that'll be you, whatever journey, whatever step you are, soon it'll be your friend's funerals you're going to. And soon it'll be your friends going to your funeral. It really will. This, I'm not being depressing, it's just true, isn't it? And only what's done for Jesus will last. After speaking of the tent that's just blown away, compare the tent 
to the heavenly mansion the Lord's prepared for us and for those who love him. He moves on with his theme and he speaks of being clothed and not found naked. Paul knew what it was to be naked for the Lord. He literally had lost everything at one point, even the clothes off his back. He tells us when he lists his trials in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven, alongside all the beatings and the whippings and the imprisonments and the shipwrecks. In verse 27, he says, I've known what it is for the Lord to be cold and naked. Imagine it, the great apostle, the, the man with this massive vision on his life. He's lost everything for Jesus. He's cold and he's naked. And yet he kept going. Even that couldn't take this guy out. Why? Because he had a vision of heaven. And he knew that even though there were times for him freezing cold and naked for the Lord, he knew that he was going to be clothed in his heavenly dwelling. The Lord had prepared a robe for him. And I believe that Paul's robe had a train right now. He's in heaven. And on the train, if you like, it's a picture, but I believe it's a helpful picture. On the train of Paul's robe was the names of every single person it impacted. He couldn't see it, but all of heaven can see it. And we're going to have a train on our robe, if you like. And it's that, that's the heavenly reward. The names of every single, imagine how long Paul's train was to his robe, you know. The names of every single person. It's a picture, but you understand, let it sit with you. How many names are going to be on your train when you get your heavenly, when the nakedness of this life, the primarily clothes you're going to wear are gone and instead you've got your heavenly robe and you've got your train with all the names of those. That's the reward we're going for because there is a reward Paul says it, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that we may receive what's due to us. And my reward I want is a vast number of people, a train on my robe with a vast number of names. Do you get me? So many people that I've been allowed to impact for Jesus and they're there with, you know, for all eternity. Let's settle it. Let's be hot or cold for heaven. If we believe we're going to live forever, let's live like it. Let's not invest here. Let's invest there. That's what Paul says. And of course, he lived that life. And he modeled it for all of us. And he's like, I just groan for that day to come. Romans 8, 17, he said we, he described his prayer life like this. Just groaning, aching, longing, longing for that day. He says, I, I get these I get these down payments of the Holy Spirit, down payments of eternity. I believe I had one in this room a week ago as we sang the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit was so tangible in his presence. I got a little taste of eternity. Why would I want anything else? That's the only thing that can satisfy. The only thing that truly satisfies the human heart is that taste of heaven, that little down payment that guarantees my eternal heavenly dwelling. Do you get me? We know it's true. Anybody who's truly tasted the Holy Spirit and experienced that little point naught, 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 one percent down payment of heaven and the full measure is to come. And mortal life is swallowed up by real life in Jesus. So Paul's like, in light of that, what's your goal? 
What is your goal? Be interesting, wouldn't it? Let's have a little survey. What's your goals? What is your goals for life now, right now? A lot of young men and women in the room. What's your goals? If we said, what is your goal for life? I guess people would say, you know, my goal is marriage and family. You know, I want to get married to a hunky guy or a beautiful girl and have kids and bring them up well. My goal is financial stability. I want to be able to go into old age and look after my family, provide. My goal is travel to dream places. I bet you some people in this room have like, you've got this goal. My goal is physic to stay physically healthy, to do all I can to be fit and healthy. Okay, but a little bit babyish, to be honest. They're okay, those goals, aren't they? But they're a little bit focused on this tent, aren't they? Focused on the jars of clay that's just going to be disposed. They're a bit down here, those goals. Well, Paul clearly describes his goal in light of eternity in verse 9. He says, therefore, I make it my goal to please him. Imagine if that was our goal. In fact, number one goal over everything else. My goal is to please him. I've made a decision. I've drawn a line. Jesus is Lord, Lord of all. He's King of kings. He's the one saviour. He's the way, the truth, the life. I believe his word. I believe I'm going to spend all eternity in heaven and only what's done for him will last. There's a line in the sand. So my goal on the back of that is to please him. Imagine a people, that was our number one goal. My goal is to please him and to be filled with him, to receive his spirit to overflowing as a deposit, guaranteeing what's to come. And and don't kid yourself, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, without a desire to be holy. We receive that deposit guaranteeing our heavenly mansion. And as we do, we are, verse 5, I love the way he puts it, we're fashioned for the very purpose God's given us. So we surrender all to Jesus. We make it our desire to please him. We line up our life with his word. And guess what happens? We're shaped and fashioned for eternal purposes, for the very purpose God designed us for. God designed you for purpose. You're a man or a woman of purpose. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, God prepared in advance good works for you to do. He fashioned good works for you to do in eternity and he wants to fashion us as we fully surrender so we can pour out all those good works on a world in need. That's what happens to men and women who give generously, who pray sacrificially, who pursue holiness, who get busy about God's mission, who love on the loveless, who just live the Jesus way. People who get filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit were fashioned for high and heavenly purpose. Don't you want to be that person? Of course you do. Nothing else makes sense. Let's just settle it in our minds and our hearts. And people who are fashioned for eternity, people who are of total heavenly minded are of so much earthly use. God, let us be so heavenly minded that we are truly of earthly use. We're used for the purposes that you prepared in advance for us to do. Let's stand together. And maybe Jacob and Lucy could come back and we'll sing one more song together.
And then we'll just pray about a couple of message things after we've sung this song. But right now, I'm not going to ask anything of you, Lord. Apart from Holy Spirit, will you reveal to us where our lives don't line up with what we read in your word? Where our feet are so stuck down here, where our desires and our aspirations and our goals are all built around this life. This tent that's going to be destroyed, this jar of clay that's going to be discarded when we're called for so much bigger than that. Help us to live like we're going to live forever because we are. It's true. You've made a way and we're going to be there. Only what's done for you will last. And I pray for a people stood up in this room in Charleston and watching online with a train with the names of millions of people who they've been able to affect for you. That's our goal. That's the reward we want. Glory to you. Praise to you. Sweet smelling in your nostrils, God, and people's lives are just laid down. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast, where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.